0: Let's get to it. This is Seppy Podcast. Hey,
1: sorry, did you guys?
2: The Sebi Podcast Radio Show. Streaming only here on WNSC Radio. Ah, that's right. Sunny, gorgeous, around 84 today. Temperatures are expected to exceed over 93. The... Most dynamic duo in the sports industry. That's myself and Michael Gray here on the hotline here at the Sebi Podcast radio show. Streaming only here on WNSC radio. Good morning, world. Good morning, viewers. Good morning, listeners here on the Sebi Podcast show. Streaming only here on WNSC radio here. Hope you guys have had an outstanding Memorial Day weekend. I know I did. Shept up the barbecue. Had some wings, some hot dogs, and enjoyed some of the shores out there in the Atlantic Ocean at the beach, uh, definitely enjoyed my time there during the waters there. And I'm assuming my my man as well, Michael Gray had himself a, a
3: blast of a time as well, didn't you? Oh man, it was a dope weekend. Went to a lot of cookouts, ate a lot of good food. You know, went to um, went to this little festival yesterday they had back here in DC. They called it Mochella. You know what I mean? It's a, a little, it's a it's a go-go festival. You know what I mean? So it's a, it was it was a great weekend. It was it was dope vibes and and then I'm ready to get the week started.
2: Definitely getting the week there. Guys, our opening segment today, guys, is proud and sponsored by our great partners here on the show, Discount Tire Shop. Discount Tire Shops, the official partners and sponsors of the Sebi Podcast radio show for any breaks, oil change, mechanical issues. Our friends here at Central Florida have said, you got to visit them. You got to visit them for all of your car needs and, oh, don't forget to tell them that Sebby from our show sent you. And this is our opening segment here on the Sebby Podcast radio show. Mike, the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, Stanley Cup finals, should I say, started off last night in TD Garden, home of the Boston Celtics. <laughs> you know how we feel about that. Right. Uh, the Bruins got the job done ninth, ninth in a row, uh, dating back to uh, their uh, opening round series um, and the first round of the playoffs. They haven't lost since. That This is nine straight uh this team right now has just it, it, they're they're playing great hockey they're they're fast on skates they're big they're physical on the glass and and it's paid dividends and made a huge difference on their uh Stanley Cup run thus far
3: and uh tell us what you saw about last night last night was an amazing game I i'm not going to lie i've not really paid too much attention to boston that much this, this these playoffs but man, when I when I did my homework, they, they they looked special. One thing I take about take away from the Boston Bruins, they started off real slow, but that second and third third period, they just dominated. I mean, yeah, they, they, they were they were the more physical team. They got they they were hitting them. They got more shots on goals on goals. I think the second period, they outs they outshot St. Louis uh, eighteen to three. Eighteen to three. Right. Oh mm-hmm. my goodness, it was it, it was it was it was special to see. Like they they you could tell they were the aggressors. They like they got the early game jitters out from game one, and in, in the first period. And then after that, they just took over and they started playing their brand of hockey and it was it was fun to watch man it was it was, it was like the way they just took over the way can they 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 seem like one of those teams that can just demoralize you you know what i mean they they, yeah, they, take, they take you they take your heart and and that's that that's what I took away from boston they they they, they looked like the looked like the favorite and looked like they should be there no, no no, doubt it was a great it was a great game yesterday
2: that's right game two definitely on Wednesday night. And to break down all of this for us, there's nobody better in the business with our next guest here on the hotline, Frank Kirby from Jock and Jill Podcast out there in Toronto, Ontario. Uh, folks, this guy is a former NCAA goaltender uh, for Adrian College. Um, he's been there. He's done that. He's been himself in the trenches in on those skates, on those ice there, so he knows what he's talking about when it comes to NHL. Frank how are
1: you doing today? Gentlemen, thank you so much for having me join the podcast today. Greetings from Toronto, Canada. Like you said, it's uh, uh, special to be uh, with you two today. Uh, and again, hope you had a, a great Memorial Day weekend. Uh, I know you guys were touching on that a little bit earlier, yeah. and uh, it sounds like you, you had a blast. So uh, happy Memorial Day to uh, yourself and all the listeners out there as well. Definitely. Yeah. So
2: uh, I want to go ahead and start off with you. Uh, Frank, um, the Conn Smith Award, That that's basically, uh, for listeners that don't know, that's like the, the best player throughout the playoffs. The NBA has like its MVP, but it's a regular season award, uh, whereas the NHL has the Conn Smith Award. Uh, right. uh, some some of the, um, you know, candidates right now, Jaden Schwartz, uh, you know, forward for the Blues, um, Tarasenko, Brad Marchand, Zadino Chara may make a late push here. Uh, Tuka Rask has been excellent as a goalie, as you know, Uh, you've been goalie yourself. So uh, as the series winds and it continues to progress, what do you see that award going to?
1: Yeah. And, you know, really, it's, it's very, very rare that the con Smythe will go to, uh, you know, the team that doesn't win the championship at the end of the day. It, it has happened a few times, but, you know, 90 percent of the time, as was uh, with most other sports, it goes to the winning squad. Um, you know, when I look at the series between the Bruins and Blues, for me, uh, it, it really comes down to two things. I look at I look at experience um, and, and I look at goaltending. I mean, at this time of the year. Uh, more often than not, whichever team has the better goalie uh, is usually the team that's going to win. It's very similar to uh, in football, whichever team has the better quarterback, usually going to win. Whichever team has the better pitching in the playoffs for baseball, usually going to win. And that's, that's right. the same analogy that we look at with hockey. And, you know, when I look at these at these two goaltenders in this series, when I mean, you've, got, you've got Tuka Rask, who's a veteran goaltender, uh, he's been in the league for 10 years, uh, he's uh, he's played 83 playoff games in his career. So this guy knows what he's doing. He's been around the block a lot. Uh, his counterpart at the other end of the rink, Jordan Bennington, um, he's been fantastic all year. He's, he's going to be a nomination for, uh, one of the rookies of the, of the regular season. Um, but he's a kid, you know, 25 years old, uh, you know, he's only played 33 total or, or excuse me, 53 total NHL games. So, you, you know, you have one guy in one end here in Rask who's played more playoff games uh, then Jordan Bennington has played total career NHL games. So, uh, I, as good as Bennington has been this year, I think Rask uh, is is going to be the man to outduel him. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, it, you know, if Boston wins, and uh, you know, I've I've been on the Boston bandwagon for uh, you know since the first round, since they beat my Maple Leafs. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do think I, I do think that Tuka Rask is he's just been too zoned in. Um, and, and, you know, as good as the Boston forwards are, you know, you mentioned Marshawn and Bergeon and Pasternak, there hasn't really been a guy that's really stood out amongst the crowd. It's really been a team effort in, in Boston. So if they do end up hoisting in the Stanley Cup, uh, I, I think it'll be Rask that uh, takes home that Consmite MVP. Sebby Podcast
2: Radio Show here on WNSC Radio. Uh, Frank, uh, tell me uh, about these, these these teams because – um I think it's a it's a difference in styles. Like like I mentioned earlier, Boston um like, you know, they, they skate and I mean you look at the ring kinda of like what Mike mentioned, especially in the second and third period, when they outshot them eighteen to three, you could see just the speed factor yes. uh you know, was just out of this world and then they really got physical and dominated the glass as well, uh with some hits and and there so it looks like this. These two teams are a team of different type of styles. The Blues haven't been here since 1970
1: uh, in this position. So
2: talk about that for us.
1: Yeah, and and it's funny you haven't mentioned the, the Blues haven't been in this position since 1970. They actually played Boston in 1970, mm. uh, and 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 they lost. And you know, funny enough, the, the Blues have been to the finals three times: 68, 69, and 1970. They got swept in all four series, so wow. you know they, they they lost again last night. So they're they're now zero for thirteen in uh, in trying to find their their first uh, Stanley Cup Finals, uh, you know, a single victory. But uh, you know, but to answer your question, you know, the, the the styles of the teams, you know, they're they're a little more similar than you may think. I mean, both both teams uh, play very very physical, that's for sure. Um, but they also play with with a lot of speed, and and we've seen that. You know, the NHL, especially over the course of the last five years or so, has really gone towards more of the, uh, of the skill and speed style of, of game right. that, that right. favors maybe some smaller players, um, not as much hitting. But, you know, when the playoffs come around, especially this late in the year, uh, you know, the physicality and the hitting does creep its way back into the game. Uh, the refs call, you know, they, they let a little bit more go, but you know, just in looking at the game last night, you know, I, I think overall the Blues are a more physical team, but I, I think last night they were overly physical. I mean, this, you know, they got up two nothing last night early. Um, by the way, you, you know, you can't blow a two nothing lead in game one of of the finals. That's tough because right. you know the, the the team that wins game one. Uh, you know, they go on to win about 80% of the time. That's, you know, the case in, in you know a lot of the major sports. So re- really tough loss for the Blues last night. But, you know, I, I thought that they, they got up early, they got up 2 nothing and then they got overly physical. I mean, they took penalties. Uh, they took five uh, minor penalties last night. Uh, the Blues have been the least penalized team throughout the course of the playoffs, and, and they kind of let that off the rails last night. They took too many penalties. Uh, the Bruins scored early on a power play, and then they tied it up. Uh, and then the wheels, you know, kind of kind of fell off from there. And you know, I was I was really interested to see how how the teams would come out last night because there was such a long layoff between games. I mean, the Bruins had eleven days off from yeah after the sweeping the Hurricanes, right? Yeah, after sweeping the Hurricanes, and and the Blues. I mean, they they had a week off as well. You know, for, since uh, since beating San Jose, again. and I know both teams. Uh, complained a little bit uh, about that. You know, what's what's with the delay? I mean, we're seeing that in the NBA now as well. It's it's crazy to give that guys that much time off. But um, you know, they they uh, the, the Bruins came out slow uh, for sure with 11 days off. The, the St. Louis capitalized on that. But um, at the end of the day, uh, they, they just, they couldn't close it out. You know, the more experienced Boston team took it to them as the game went on. And, and, and the, uh, the goaltender and for St. Louis, I mentioned Bennington uh, who's been really good this year. I, I think his, uh, his inexperience uh, showed a little bit because there was a couple of, couple of goals late in the game there that I'm sure he would have liked to have back.
2: Definitely there. Uh, uh, the the experience of the blues definitely showed in game one after blowing a 2-0 lead. Go ahead, Mike.
3: Yeah. Hey, hey Frank, minute, I got a couple questions for you. Um, they they're actually about the playoffs in general and, and not the finals. Cool. One of my questions one of my questions to you is did you did you really did you expect the Calgary Flames and the Columbus Blue Jackets to get out of the first round to lose in the first round?
1: Yeah, that's... being being
3: being the number one seed? Yeah,
1: and, and don't forget about your hometown team as well, Tampa, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm well, he, area, I think he's Tampa. all Caps, baby. I yeah, think I'm, got I'm Alexander. I'm a, I'm okay, okay, okay. Caps fan,
1: Yep. You know, it, it's been such a strange playoffs. I mean, I can't – I've been watching hockey my, my whole life, and uh, I've never seen the playoffs like this where so many good teams went out so early. Um, yeah. I mean, we saw Calgary, who was the number one team in the West with points, and then Tampa, the number one team in the East in points. You know, both go down really without a fight. I mean, it Don't was, remind it was... me,
2: Frank. Don't remind me. <laughs>
1: hey, hey listen, listen, guys. Listen, guys. I'm. I, I've had a lot of pain as well this playoffs. My Maple Leafs uh, uh, lost that crushing game seven to Boston. They could maybe be in the finals right now. So we're all we're all dealing with some uh, some pain right now. But it, it, I think that I think that it, it really speaks to the, the parity in the league. I mean, it, with with a salary cap league all these teams are so closely matched and, and it just goes to show you over the course of a regular season, 82 games. I mean, how much does a regular season really mean? I mean, it, right. it's, I mean, we're, we're seeing this year that, you know, <laughs> does it mean that much? I don't think so. Um, and, and the other factor as well, that you have to look at with, you know, a couple of these teams like Columbus and Carolina and and Colorado that won rounds is, you know, these teams were fighting for playoff spots in March. Okay. These are teams that were battling for that final seventh, eighth spot for two months. So these teams were in playoff, have been in playoff mode for a long time. All right. of a sudden, yes. something That's a great to say about being in rhythm, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you get in a rhythm. And and you know, a team like Tampa or a team like Calgary, you know, they've been coasting all year and, and all of a sudden the playoffs start and it's boom, it's gut check time. And you've got to really quickly change your mentality and and, and get ready to play playoff hockey. And and you're doing it against an opponent that's been in that mentality, you know, for six weeks already. So um, I I think that's, that's, there's some other factors as to, you know, what happened with a couple of these powerhouse teams that went down. But I I do think that is a a big part of it.
3: Got you. My last
1: question to you is about my my Washington
3: Capitals. Obviously, we're coming off that championship, that Stanley Cup championship last year. But I wanted to know, what do you think was the biggest, like downfall to to their to their losing in the first round in seven games this year. Do you think the TJ Oshi uh, injury has something to do with it, or we just weren't we
1: just weren't ready this year to, for the moment? I, I think I think for sure when you lose a guy like TJ Oshi, that's big. I mean he's yes. he's he's one of their he's one of their emotional leaders. And, and
2: Backstrom didn't seem like himself. I I I, I noticed that as well. Yeah, See, that's-
1: if, yeah. Yeah. He may have been playing hurt. And, and let's face it. I mean, a lot of these guys were probably still hung over from, uh, from their championship. Right, right. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's true. They, uh, no, but uh, you know, it, the Washington Capitals have played, um, Michael, your, your, your team's played a lot of playoff hockey. I mean, in the last, in the last seven or eight years, you guys have had a lot of runs uh, and, and a lot of, I mean, a lot, these guys have played a lot of hockey. I mean, you have your, you know your guys like Ovechkin and Backstrom that have played a lot of Olympic hockey and they go to the World Championships every year. And I think I think it may have just all kind of caught up with them. I mean, uh, you know, having a deep run last year and a short off season, uh, and, and all of a sudden you run into a hungry, hungry Carolina team. Oh. Um, and, and, and hey, it was you know they lost in overtime of Game Seven. I mean, one one bounce, and uh, and Washington is moving on, right? So yeah. I think I, I think maybe. Um, could you, I don't want to say they were tired, but um, you know they were they were going up against a Carolina team that uh, that was maybe a little hungrier than than Washington was after uh, after coming off uh, you know a very emotional playoff run just the previous year.
3: Yeah, that 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 makes perfect sense. And then also, you know, you got to count in the factor that you know after you win the championship, the following year you're going to get every team's best.
1: You know? Exactly. So yep. Yeah. Absolutely, man. You know that. Uh, yeah, you know, when when you win a championship, you've you've got a target on your back, and uh, you know, right. especially a guy like like Alex Ovechkin, who, uh, you know, one of the best players of uh, of our generation, runs around, uh, you know, like a chicken with his head cut off, hitting guys. You know, first Hall of Famer. I mean, this guy absolutely, is absolutely. <laughs> you, you don't right. you don't you don't think guys on uh, on Carolina are fired up to take a run at him and uh, and a couple of the other guys on on the Capitals there? So, but I, I Mike, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry too much about about your boys. You know, you'll have. Uh, you know, it looks like, you know, the same team more or less coming back next year. And uh, and they should yeah. be ready for another deep run. Let's get it. Can't
2: wait. I I, I want to go uh, back to the West Finals um, with the Sharks and the Blues. Uh, the Sharks were up 2-1. And then I, I guess the injury bug hit Pawalski, uh who's an excellent forward. He doesn't get a lot of recognition being stuck out there in San Jose um, mm-hmm. as well. And uh, that, that controversial game three, whether it was a goal or not goal, I think that kind of stirred momentum because the Blues just rode that wave. We're talking about uh, Schwartz and, and Tarasenko really dominated that. Um, so uh, uh, when you look back at that um, call, was it a, a great call or a no call? And, and did that really motivate the Blues to p- really get into this great Cinderella run to get into their Stanley Cup?
1: Yeah, I, I think I think it may have motivated them a bit because I mean that was that was. It absolutely was the incorrect call. Everybody, everybody that was watching the game, that was participating in blatant, blatant hand pass uh, that that led to a goal. And you know, it, it's it's a shame that something like that can can end the playoff game. I mean, uh, you know, could you imagine if something like that happened in a Stanley Cup final game, or even worse, you know, determined the winner of the Stanley Cup, you know, championship? Right. Um, so I think that did motivate the Blues a little bit. But you know what? It, it's funny. I mean, the hockey gods seem to be on San Jose. From from the get go, I mean, going back to that first uh, playoff series against Vegas, uh, where they stormed back with uh, with four power play goals after uh, you know a horrible five minute penalty call uh, that Vegas took. Um, you know, coming down to that hand pass. I mean, San Jose it seemed like they had all the luck, and and a lot of people were thinking, you know what, this is finally their year because this is a team that has has been grinding away and, and trying to get their franchise's first Stanley Cup for you know, ten, fifteen years now. Uh right. they've, they've been a relevant playoff team and once again they just fell short. I mean it's 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 hard to say. I mean they were they were it, all it's all... it's kinda like the capitals of the West. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they really are. They really are and you they had to don't... do that to me sevy <laughs> 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 No, but but Sebi that that's that, that's a great comparison. I mean Joe Joe Thornton is is maybe the the Canadian Alex Ovechkin. I mean here's an older guy who's uh, you know, you know Ovechkin's one now, but you know Thornton really a Stanley Cup would cement his legacy like Ovechkin did last year. But right. I don't know, like how tough is it being a Sharks fan, guys? I mean they're they're good every year, and right. it seems like right. every year they, I hate to say this, but they, they, so find, a way to they find a way to show. Watch as well,
3: right? Bring that sounds just like my Capitals before last year.
1: Yeah, you're right, and anything could happen. Anything could happen. But yeah. uh, you know, back to what you were saying, you know, Sebi, uh, Pavelski, definitely one of the more underrated players, you know, of, of, of our generation. I mean, he's a bit of an older guy now. I think he's 34, 35, but he's just been he's – he's been a horse for that Danny. franchise for so long. Right. For Definitely so long. Definitely there. Yeah. Uh,
2: uh, let's get back to the Stanley Cup here with, with these two teams. Um, who's got the better front line? James Schwartz, Teresinko. You've got Brad Marchand who's uh, played well, especially in the uh, Hurricane series. Um, uh, offensively, uh, moving on forward in this series with the – Blues down, uh, 0-1. Uh, where do you think the series prolongs, and in, in how many games?
1: I'm going to go out on a limb and say Boston is going to take this in six. I, I you know, going back to one of my points earlier, uh, the, the experience for for the Bruins, I think, is just going to be too much for for the Blues to handle. I mean, uh, you know, the Bruins 2011 they won the Cup, 2013 they lost in the Cup Finals. They have five players uh, remaining. From that era, Bergeron, Krejci, Marchand, Rask, and Chara—they've Right. They've got the Stanley Cup experience. I mean, looking over at the, at the Blues, um, they've got one player with Stanley Cup Finals experience, uh, not counting yesterday, and that was David Perron, who played in one game for the Vegas Golden Knights last year. So you know that—that's certainly you know there is something you know about the the experience factor and. And a lot of these, a lot of these Bruin guys have have been there. They've they've done that, and um, I I think that St. Louis will win a couple games, uh, but I I don't see I I don't see them pulling off this upset, and and it would be an upset over over Boston. Although I I would love to see that because I'm I'm not sure if you guys. No, but um, it's it's funny. The St. Louis Blues have 21 Canadians on their team. That's the most in the NHL. <laughs> okay, the Bruins, on the other hand, have 18 Americans on their team. That's the most in the NHL. So is this, you know, St. Louis versus uh, Boston, or is it almost like Canada versus USA? Canada right? versus USA.
2: <laughs> well, if that was the case, USA would lose. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, you, you and, and you'd think so, right? I mean, like I said, they've got 21 Canadians on this Blues team. A, a lot of uh, a lot of guys from uh, you know, Ontario and, and Saskatchewan and a couple of these, these provinces that are hotbeds for hockey players. But uh, yeah, the it, it looks like Team America, you know, the Bruins. And again, it's just one game, right? I mean, anything could happen, but um, I, I...
2: Definitely. So we'd have to wait for a couple more years for the Winter Olympics for that, for the USA and Canada. But <laughs> yes, uh, you're right. The Bruins going to their third Stanley Cup in 10 years. So um, definitely great achievement for them, um, and, and, and as we wrap up here, uh, Frank, tell us, um, tell some of the listeners here where they can find you uh, for coming on our show today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, tell you a little bit about uh, about the podcast that uh, that I operate. It's called the Jock and Jill Hockey Podcast. We operated out of uh, Toronto, Canada, with my uh, my co-host and my colleague Holly Nimmons. And what we do is we we interview hockey players. We uh, we we do uh, sort of in depth uh, op ed pieces about hockey players' lives, uh, current players, past players, uh, you know, junior, young young guys, draftees, uh, and even even people from the hockey world like uh, like agents and coaches and uh, and broadcasters, and uh, we you know, we really pick their brain, peel some layers back, and uh, and get to know our guests, uh, you know, outside of of the sport, and um, you know, we learn a lot of. A lot of interesting stories and, and tips and tricks for young hockey players along the way. So you, you can check us out uh, on any podcast hosting platform, uh, The Jock and Jill Show. Uh, season two will be starting in uh first week of October. All right, awesome. And also his social
2: media platforms, you can find him on Instagram and various other platforms on the podcast. Yes. All right, Mr. Frank Pierre Lebrun, next time you get a chance to... Uh, interview Stamkos you tell him what happened this year <laughs> I will
1: I will and I just, that, that that's awesome I just want to add one more one more really quick point I know that I mentioned that I think Boston is going to win in six but I would love to see personally I'm rooting for the Blues I mean they've they've never won a Stanley Cup before 51 years and and let's face it St. Louis has had uh, they've had some tough times the last couple of years you know they lost their NFL team uh they, uh they lost Albert Pulos, who was the St. Louis legend a couple of years ago. and Right, uh, right. I mean, meanwhile, Boston is, you know, their are home of the Super Bowl champs, the Pats right now. They're home of the MLB World Series champs, the Red Sox. I mean, did they really the win Red another Sox. championship? Right. Come on, guys. That's title town. As of late in the last decade, that's been title town. Before,
2: it's, right? it's crazy. It's
1: crazy. So yeah. come on, Boston. Like, let, let St. Louis just have something here. It's been a really rough goal for them lately we definitely run-go
2: for them as well. Yeah, But
1: there's nobody that I can think of that's been
2: more great and better to dissect everything that we've had thus far in these Stanley Cup playoffs. And like I said, the guru for hockey, Frank himself, from Jack and Jill Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you today, my man.
1: Thank
3: you, gentlemen. Appreciate and it. We'll Look forward no doubt, man. Take it
2: easy. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, gentlemen. Take care. Yep. No problem, folks. Don't go anywhere because myself and Michael Gray, when we come back, this every podcast radio show, myself and Michael Gray. Back after... What uh, interview there with uh Frank from
3: uh toronto ontario there mike it was dope man i, I really enjoy I, li- I like listening to people that that know that know the sport know know their sports and you could tell just by listening he knows his hockey he's passionate about his hockey it was it was great hearing him talk he has good energy i, I like it.
2: definitely go ahead and shift gears here
3: the nba finals the golden state warriors
2: going to their fifth straight <laughs> that's incredible impressive, impressive right there my fifth straight nba finals the first team to do that since the 1966, Bob Cousy and Bill Russell, Boston Celtics, uh, for sure. So this great run under Steve Kerr, going up against the Toronto Raptors. Now we were here a week ago, and we thought we all thought that the Bucks were in position to do this, but like we mentioned, the greatness of Kawhi Leonard did not disappoint. He came up huge in the biggest games, in the biggest moments. Nick Nurse. Pressing, pressing all the right buttons, trusting Van Vliet to mm-hmm. play a big role. Uh, there's there's a lot of coaches that might have not, you know, put Van Vliet in that situation. Well, Nick Nurse having the trust to do that. Kawhi Leonard, putting Kawhi Leonard on the Greek freak, saying, I know this is a mismatch, physicality of a disadvantage, but we're going to put arguably one of the best defensive players to ever live, especially in our generation, on Giannis and see if he could beat us with his deficiencies and he couldn't. And so the Toronto Raptors, what a moment, what a what a what a what a, what a time for Canada. I know Frank would be excited for this as well for his uh Torontonians uh, and, and and now Drake with all his antics on the sidelines <laughs> and the Raptors now going to their first NBA finals you would think that a great franchise like this might have, you know, Chris Bosh from Vince Carter to T-Mac to Dormar DeRozan. Well, now the hero is Kawhi Leonard. He's the one that's looked upon as the savior to get him over the hump to the finals. Game one, Thursday. Raptors have home court. They swept their regular season uh, against the Warriors. They beat them twice at home and at Golden State. At Golden State, Kawhi didn't play. Larry had 23-12 and 12 and really dominated that. As well, Pascal Siakam attributed as well, great as the number two. So when we look at this Mike, uh, this this uh, uh, unfamiliar NBA title uh, matchup, what's
3: <laughs> what jumps off to you right off the bat? Uh, well, what jumps off to me is that I, I, we we knew the Golden State Warriors were going to get to the finals because of how lethal they were and how they like to turn it up to a, a different level around this time of time, but. For this Toronto Raptors team, we expected we expected them to make a deep run, but when you see the difference between a Kawhi Leonard and DeMar DeRozan. You see the big difference. You see that DeMar DeRozan. That's no that's no knock on DeMar DeRozan. I like DeMar DeRozan, but he's no Kawhi Leonard. And when you when you put Kawhi Leonard on this team. Added added to every the culture that they've already cultivated with Dwayne Casey was there. They they added them and they have an amazing culture. Their player development up there was crazy, and now you have a first year head coach and Nick Nurse who's able to pick up the pieces. And with that Kawhi Leonard and with, with how amazing they were, they they're here in the finals. I mean, you're right. This is one of the most improbable, improbable finals because you know me and you had Boston. We had Boston going to the right, finals, and, and I expected them to go up against the Warriors, but. The way this Toronto Raptors team plays, they play so physical, and they're such a versatile bunch, and they have one of the deepest benches in the in the NBA. And they, their bench didn't really show up too much in the first two rounds, but in that and in, in that uh, conference finals against Milwaukee, they really sh- they really showed um, how, how 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 key they can be and how big they are, and they stepped up in a major way because without that bench, they wouldn't have won that series. So I definitely so you're right. This is an improbable matchup. Um, I expect it to be a great matchup. This is; these are clearly the two best teams in the NBA, and I, I expect to see a dogfight. I, I expect this to be a be, be a great series, possibly going seven or six. NBA definitely, definitely
2: six. there. Uh, the Toronto Raptors taking four straight from Milwaukee to punch their ticket to their first NBA title. Uh, there, Let, let's talk about some of the matchups, the storylines here. <clears throat> Uh, We know KD won't play, at least for the first two games. That um, ultimately makes it a little bit more competitive uh, uh, with Kevin Durant um, not playing in his absence. DeMarcus Cousins will be game time and questionable for game one uh, uh, going into Thursday as he's been rehabbing the issue that he suffered in round one. Uh, And and let's think about some of these matchups. Larry going against Steph Curry, Klay Thompson. Uh, you've got Danny Green there, a great defender in his days in San Antonio. And then Kawhi Leonard. uh, I've said this before. I think he's the best player on the planet. I think these playoffs have definitely showed that. Seven 35-point games, 11 30-point games overall. I mean, this guy has just been phenomenal and carried what LeBron James did last year with the Cavs. He's done that this year with the Raptors. Definitely making it to the NBA Finals here. Uh, what jumps out to you as in, like, critical matchups um, when you look at these series starting game one, 9 Eastern on ABC?
3: Pascal Siakam versus Draymond Green. Mm. These, th- these two players, um, they're, they're like the X-Factors for their team. We all know how important Draymond is. He brings the physicality, the toughness, the grit, the hunger, the passion on this team, the, the more out- outgoing player. And we all know what Pascal Siakam is. He's probably going to win the most improved player this season. Uh, with his contributions, the way he, he he defends, his length, and what he can do for you in the postgame, outside shooting, on the offensive side of the ball as well. He can get to 20 points and, and possibly 10 to 15 rebounds. And, and I love to see that matchup because those are – he's like the – Pascal Siakam is like the Draymond Green for the Toronto Raptors. And to, to see them both going back and forth at each other is going to be key because Draymond sets the tempo for a lot. For, for what the Warriors do, as far as letting Steph and Clay get to the corners and and, and, and get to their spots and knock down threes, whereas Siakam, he with, with how if he if he performs well and has a big game, they're they're more likely to win as well. So I'm like I'm 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 very interested to see that matchup between those two, and I definitely want to see the matchup inside. Uh, Mark Gasol, um, it, it's word that Demarcus Cousins might come back for this for this for this uh, uh, finals. I don't know if he will but I know Marcus
2: That'd Hall be is, a great matchup. Both yeah. can stretch the floor and both can really bully themselves inside the paint.
3: Absolutely. And I and I feel like the uh the Toronto Raptors are at a big time advantage if DeMarcus Cousins isn't uh going to come back because one of the one of the keys for one of the keys that the uh the Warriors lack is rebounding. And right. You, you have you have a guy Marcus Saul who there's nobody inside. you have Kevon Looney and possibly a Jordan Bell? But nobody inside is going to mess with Marcus on the from a rebounding perspective. Um, if the Marcus Cousins is not on the floor, so I definitely want, want to see those two, but definitely that Pascal Siakam and Draymond Green matchup.
2: Definitely there, Marcus saw former 2013 Defensive Player of the Year. Always been great around the rim, rebounding and scoring inside. And, and you're right, Steve Kerr came out yesterday on his press conference saying that he looks at Pascal Siakam the Cameroonian as a young Draymond Green, uh, you know, your hybrid versatile power forward, forward, whatever they consider it now in the NBA with positionless basketball. And he sees a lot of Draymond Green, uh, styles in his game as a young Draymond Green and lamented about that. That's actually ironic that you brought, brought that up, uh, you know, Pascal gonna be huge. He he's got the length, the frame, the size to, to switch from one through four, and potentially some five as well, depending uh-huh. on how small you go. And that's what Draymond Green has done and, and been a luxury for the Golden State Wars these past five years in this in this run here. Uh game one, <clears throat> the Golden State Wars would have had nine full days off, ten days overall, and the Toronto Raptors four overall in only three four days so with uh i've always said this with a, a veteran team you give them rest and they've got they know how to get their mind right they know how to get their body right with a long layoff rather than a young team getting a long layoff and not being inexperienced and just you know not utilizing it to their highest potential where i think the golden state will works best is with this long layoff they're going to use that exponentially Get in the weight room. Get in the gym. Get their mind going. So, could this be rust for the Golden State Warriors, having touched the basketball in in a in a
3: physical game for quite some time, almost a week and a half? Sebi, if they if the Golden State Warriors were going up against a finesse team in the finals, I would say no. The reason why I'm saying yes, I feel like it will be a rusty game for the Warriors to start off in Game One. Is because they're going up against a physical, a very physical team in Toronto. We've seen in the playoffs in the past that the Warriors um, can be rattled at times when teams get physical with them. You know, especially especially on the on the perimeter with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. You have two guys that play uh, very tremendous physical defense, and Kyle Larry and Danny Green. And I, I feel like that those two, along with what Kawhi can bring to the table, I, I, I see I see Russ playing a factor. I don't see Russ playing the factor to the point where they might get blown out, but I see Russ playing the factor to the point where I can see Toronto still in game one because their legs will be more frustrated. And granted, they're have four or five they going to have four to five days off as well. But on, and kind of like
2: what we talk, rhythm is key. Yeah, rhythm well. is key,
3: you know what I'm saying? And, and they're coming off an emotional high as well. And they're battle-tested. This is a battle-tested bunch. This is a hungry bunch. And I feel like they're going to get physical, very physical with Golden State game one. And I, I don't think Golden State is going to knock down as many shots as they as they normally would have. And I think I think Game One, the Russ is going to show. And Toronto steals Game One. I, I do I do believe Russ is going to show early. Golden State, you know, Golden State is a is a is a key third quarter team. I think I think they'll get off slow and they'll come back in the third quarter to make it a game. But it'll it won't be enough. Toronto will close them out in the fourth quarter and 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 take Game One.
2: What well, what what a boost that would be for Nick Nurse's team, getting. Um, you know, securing home court in game one right. against the Golden State Warriors as well. Uh, talk about this run that Kawhi Leonard's had in these oh, playoffs. I mean, it's been LeBron Jordan-esque when you look at the numbers. The numbers really don't lie for you. I'm not an analytics guy as well, but the PER, when you look at the metrics, I mean, <laughs> this has been some postseason run. If he were to pull this off against this Golden State Warriors, we, we know how big uh, of of you know heroics he had to get past against the Sixers and the Bucks um to get here but if he were to get past this oh let's say KD-less Warriors team or with KD playing in it later on in the rounds and get past this galvanizing his team kind of like what LeBron did in 2016 to get the Cavs their first championship what would cement Kawhi Leonard's legacy
3: by doing this Oh, his like Oh, if if he was to pull this off against this Warriors team after the run that he's had, um, th- throughout these entire playoffs, we'll be looking at this as one of the top top two, maybe maybe best playoff run ever in NBA history by a superstar. Right. This, this this would be special. This would be amazing. Like you can't put into word. You almost can't put into words how special it would be if. Kawhi Leonard would would uh would have defeated the Golden State Warriors. I don't see it happening. I see the Warriors winning <clears throat> winning this in about six. But I mean, the, Kawhi has been special these entire playoffs, man. Is it, which, what what you've seen him done? He's literally carried this this franchise. He's he literally carried this franchise on his back ever since round one. He he went up against one of the top teams in the Eastern Philly. He went up against the best team in Milwaukee, and, and, and arguably the, who, uh, a player who's going to win the MVP candidate in Giannis, and took him down and shut him down. and, and really limited his game, all along with what he was doing on the offensive side of the ball. This the guy is special. He's easily the best two way player in the game. What Easy. he's doing right now, he's showing that. Okay, maybe I needed that that entire year off last year because I was actually hurt. Maybe if I would have came back early last year and played in San Antonio, maybe, maybe I wouldn't be as effective as I am now. You know, what I mean, he's, he's proving he's proving his worth right now. A lot of people have questioned his worth coming out of San Antonio because of how that happened and how that happened with a uh, sitting out the entire year. Oh, the trainers are saying you're good, and but you're really sitting out. Nobody knows your body better than you, and Kawhi Leonard easily showed that. And he he's putting he put it on display this year. You know, he he, he set out some some regular season games to get himself ready for the playoffs. But come playoff time, it was it was full go. You know, what I'm saying he and some and some of it was hurt. You know, this last round against Milwaukee, he was injured for, for some of it, and he continued to fight. He continued to – he didn't let anything – he was motivated and driven. He continued. He didn't let any obstacles or adversity stop him from his ultimate goal. And I love his humbleness. When you hear him in the press conference, you hear him – Mike, about, very
2: even kill Oh,
3: my goodness, very <clears throat> even-keeled. You hear him talking about uh, one of the guys, one of the media reporters asked him about, uh, what, what do you think about do – you, do you feel like you've taken that mantle as the best player in the league? And he says, I don't care about that type of stuff. All I care about is being a part of the best team. And right now he's he's got one team ahead of him before stopping that goal, and I mean I'm very impressed with Kawhi. It's, it's almost to the point where like, how can you not like this brother? He's special on all ends, on the court, off the court. He's very frugal and humble. He, he knows where – he never forgot where he came from, and his play his play is on display. I I don't know I don't care what team he goes to next year. He's gonna get a big time major contract, and he's gonna be very very well taken care. of.
2: Definitely there. <clears throat> with that KD for the first couple runs You're Nick Nurse, what do you do, who do you put Kawhi Leonard on I, I, I've always said that um, This is probably going to be challenging for Nick Nurse yeah. um, With his Lineup, you, do you play Ibaka A little bit more rather than Marc Gasol Because of the switching and the matchups As him being a better rim protector Not saying that Gasol isn't, but he's probably a little bit more Past his prime um, yeah. Pascal can Pia- play a lot of the four And get the Draymond Green assignment so Kawhi Leonard, uh, you really don't want him running around screens, off-ball screens, running around chasing Steph and Clay off of those screens because maybe gonna tire him out on the offensive side. But you're Nick Nurse, what do you do? What's the assignment with without KD there? What do you do?
3: Well, it, it, just like you said, you don't put him on Steph because Steph is gonna run him out of the gym, and so so in order to uh, and you you have two legitimate guards that can take care of. Um, Curry and Clon Thompson, you can't stop, you can't stop these guys, obviously, but you can neutralize them to some degree because you have pit bulls on the on the perimeter already. What I would do, since Kevin Durant isn't in, in, in I would put Kawhi Leonard on Andre Iguodala. Andre Iguodala is not going to be a, a legitimate, it's not a legitimate threat on the offensive side of the ball that Kawhi Leonard has to worry about that, that would tire him out and, and wear him down. So you put him on an Andre Iguodala uh, and, and, and and let him let him roam free on the offensive side of the ball and make plays and, and do his thing. But yeah, definitely, I definitely would put him on the Iguodala. Some sometimes possibly, sometimes possibly on a Draymond Green. Somebody that's not gonna tire him out on the offensive side of the ball because putting him on Steph or Clay is gonna wear him down. I mean, the consistent it, movement that these guys do is is, 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 is tiring for any superstar. And, we know and Mike, I- that's what
2: I would do. I, that's what I would do. We've seen in the Blazers series how Draymond Green really impacted that series. I, I thought he was the MVP. Although you know, Steph Curry, <laughs> Steph Curry didn't score under 35 in any of those four games, right. which is insane. Right. But, you yeah. know, the catalyst, the guy that runs the show, Maverick and Top Gun, that's that's Draymond Green. That yeah. is ideally Draymond Green. He's the one that brings the ball up the floor. He sets the tone, the pace. There's a lot of times in, in Warrior games where you see a team score a basket or on the other end, in a blink of an eye, the Warriors score a basket right after that. So and that's Draymond green. Impact on the floor. That's who I'd have Kawhi Leonard on. Obviously, again, that's a size matchup, but w- what we've seen Steve Kerr do with 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 uh, Green is play a lot of uh, of his things that he runs in all of a lot of his sets on top of the elbow right. and on top of the key. And so, having Kawhi Leonard there as uh, an excellent perimeter defender, he can get active hands on on, on some of the deflections. He he can. You know, uh, tell his teammates where where to set up and and where to line up to to tell them that, hey, pay attention off the off ball screens and and let the guys like Danny Green and and and, uh, others run chase and Curry and Thompson, although for Larry, he's going to have to be huge if they pull this off. So he's probably going to be the ones chasing Curry. Uh, you know, the pit bull that he is. But I would have Kawhi Leonard without Katie on the floor on Draymond Green. Yeah. I, I think he is the one that ideally runs the floor. He's yeah. the one that that's gets everybody involved. Uh, you know, you're going to have to live with something. And I think the ball pressure that Kawhi Leonard is going to put on him, he's not just going to let Draymond Green have – a, a peripheral vision to look at the floor without any pressure, and I think he'll put pressure on that. I think he'll get deflections. Those big mittens and and hands that he has, he isn't called the the claw for no reason. So I, I think that he'll be instrumental in in guarding Draymond Green.
3: That that's a great point. I think I think so as well. And, and and like you said, Draymond Green facilitates and sets up a lot for this offense. So so having a guy on him like Kawhi Leonard would disrupt a lot of that and could could bode in Toronto's favor. But but that 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 puts the if you put you putting Kawhi Leonard on Draymond Green puts that much pressure on Kyle Lowry, Danny Green, uh, Van Vliet, guys like that, it would be guarding Thompson and Curry, to, right. to, to continue to stay with your man and stay with your man, we got we got somebody in the claw that that's gonna handle Draymond Green. Now, that's up y'all, the guys to continue to stay with your man on screen, stay disciplined uh, in the pick and rolls. So yeah, it it would definitely bode well for them, no doubt.
2: Right, definitely there, and I, I people tend to forget. I've I've known this Co-Islander guy since San Diego State. I watched a lot of games with the Aztecs. He played some four out sure. there, so uh, you know, and I think he bodes well for this type of style in the NBA po- Positionless basketball. He can get Draymond Green. Draymond Green is not going to post you up like other power forwards will. He'll just stay on top of the elbow. He'll run the floor. He'll set up on top of the key. Occasionally, he'll roll to the basket, but. As in terms of trying to bully you inside, Kawhi Leonard's going to have time. He may exhort some energy, but it won't be to the magnitude of chasing Curry and Thompson off the off-ball screens and then having to deliver on the offensive end, which is going to be a nightmare. But what we know for sure, these playoffs told us there's going to be a lot of parody, mayhem, and storylines because, of course, the Toronto Raptors, they've doubted us all year long. And... They're here to prove us wrong. And oh, by the way, expect a couple more antics by Jurassic Park injury. No doubt. You're listening to the Sebi Podcast radio show streaming on on WNSC Radio. Mike, when we come back, folks, don't go anywhere. We've got two, not one, but two guests coming on our show. Discuss the Champions League final between the Tottenham Hotspurs and the Liverpool Reds. That's right. You're listening to the SEBI Podcast Radio Show, streaming only here on WNSC Radio. Hi, I'm Fanny. I'm Cecilia. I'm Joanna.
0: And I'm Alwyn Jr., and we are Precise Tax and Accounting Services in Central Florida. And we would love to give a special thanks to SEBI Podcast Crew, for keeping us up to date with everything sports during this busy tax season. Do you find yourself overwhelmed by the changes in our new tax law? Or would you just love to have the peace of mind that comes with dealing with a well-informed professional? If so, reach out to us for any of your tax, accounting, or small business needs and be sure to let us know that SEBI Podcast sent you. Thank you.
2: Sebi podcast radio show streaming only here on WNSC radio. Folks, our last segment today is proud and sponsored by Haifa Hookah Lounge. Haifa Hookah Lounge, the official sponsors of the Sebi podcast radio show here located in downtown Sanford. Bucket deals, beer deals, hookahs, have a great time. Haifa Hookah Lounge. If you're looking for an area to hang out, Haifa Hookah Lounge may be the spot for you. And oh, by the way, Tell him that Sebi sent you. And this is our last segment here on the Sebi Podcast radio show, streaming here on WNSC radio. Our next guest on the hotline. Our next guest on the hotline here. Doesn't need any introduction. Kirby, the soccer guru. You know what I'm saying? No, 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 no. He is not Alejandro. No. I would even say he probably isn't, you know, one of these marquee guys that are on ESPN. But Kirby really knows his stuff and he's right here on the hotline with us today to chime in on the Spurs and the Reds Championship UCL Champions League final matchup in Madrid. What's going on, my man?
0: Hey, what's up, man?
2: Doing well, doing well. We're pleased to have you on the show with us here. So Kirby, let's just hey, let's just get right into it. We'll start off with the Liverpool side. Liverpool made history. They are the first team in Premier League history to score that many points, ninety-eight, and not win the Premier League. I, I, they were my preseason pick to win the the Premier League. They fell short behind, of course, <clears throat> Manchester City, City repeating as champions behind Pep Guardiola and that team right there may go down as one of the best Premier League teams ever. I mean, what they've done is 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 an underrated run, and so Liverpool, you know having to wipe their eyes and, and focus now on winning the champions league how do you see this matchup against the spurs uh this is a, a, an unfamiliar matchup you've got the spurs and then you've got the reds not a lot of people expected this matchup uh, how did these two teams get here and, and what do you expect as in terms of the matchup
0: uh well let me start off with liverpool um from what happened last season, especially with the issues with Carrius, that was, to be honest, if you were to look at the mistakes by Carius is what cost them the Champions League last year. There was the Mo Salah injury, which was early, but at one point the game was 1-1. And because of Karius' mistake, well, two mistakes to let Benzema in, that was problematic. And then the bike, it was, it was crazy. But when you see what they did in the last offseason, all they did is improve. They got a better keeper. They got two or three decent midfielders. And now their bench is even stacked. So I'm not surprised to see them back. But after the first leg with Barcelona, it was looking kind of hairy.
2: Right. Right. Definitely they're Down 0-3 to Lionel Messi. Regarded as one of the best players of the generation here. The Sebi Podcast radio show. Only here on WNSC Radio. Kirby on the hotline with us. So, Curbs, uh, when, you, when you look at this, this um, Tottenham side, Honmin Son has been instrumental. I mean, when Kane has gone down, uh, he's been the guy that stepped up Deli Ali a little bit as well up front. But I think it's it's also been a collective effort um beating some of these top giants as well. I actually didn't have them getting past Ajax. I, I thought Ajax was in this Cinderella team, Cinderella uh, you know, run, getting past Madrid getting past Juve. I mean, you get past Madrid and Juve, I mean, you're you're up to something. So I actually didn't have them passing it well. Holman, Son, and others have really stepped up. And uh, looking at the press conference here, it seems that Harry Kane will be back, uh, one of the premier, if not one of the best strikers in the world and in the game right now. So does that bode well for Tottenham uh, going up against the Reds?
0: Um, The way I see it working is the way the team has been playing is truly insane. Like, you look at what Son has done and what pe- some people haven't even talked about, Sissoko's role in the team has also been great. He did the- he's in his third season now in Tottenham. First two seasons was pretty abysmal, not really the best. And now he's really driving in that midfield with Deli Alley, with um, Dyer, all of them, and they're just killing it. I really feel, though, Harry Kane shouldn't start. I don't think it would be best for them because of him not being there this whole time. And they played even better without him
2: in recent weeks. Mm. Bold prediction, bold prediction there. The UCL final this Saturday, June 1st at Madrid, the Spurs and the Liverpool Reds. I've always said, I mean, you want to take uh, uh, some other teams with their trios. I've always said that trio of Firmino, Mane, and Salah. That's that's death. I mean, these guys are giant killers. Yeah, I, I think they've reached that ultimate class. You can put them with the the Suarez, the Messis, and and oh perhaps the Coutinho's if he starts playing well at times. You can put him with the Neymar and Bapes and, and Cavani. That's also a death lineup as well. But when you when you get to uh, Firmino, Sané and Sala, this is as good as it gets and Jurgen Klopp I mean, he well deserves coach of the year in the Premier League, he, the tactician that he is, the always pressing the right buttons, I think Henderson has played a huge role as well as well as um Allison playing goalkeeper, you mentioned that earlier getting a better goalkeeper for the Reds this year at on field and so uh, when you look at this Who's got the upper hand coming into Saturday uh, as matchup here? Is it the front line and the tactician of Jurgen Klopp, or is it Jon Menseon and others? Uh, you know, as a collective effort, getting the job done.
0: Um. So I would probably lean more on Liverpool, and due to two things: one, the way you mentioned how great that front three is this year in the Premier League the top goal scorer was split between three. And it was between Salah, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang from Arsenal, and Sadio Mane. So two of their players got top goal scores of the Premier League. And on top of that, you have Salah, who is probably still bitter, and the rest of the Liverpool team was bitter from not winning the Champions League last year. With all that experience, they are gunning for this. This is all they want. And if I was Tottenham, I'm just kind of still in shock that we're even at this level. So I would lean more on Liverpool, but the way you see this whole Champions League running out, anything can truly happen. And you can predict one thing to happen, and no one's going to blame you if you were completely wrong because no <laughs> one's going
2: to be able to see anything happen. Definitely the irony and the parody has definitely happened this year in the Champions League. And, and, and I think you're right. I mean, I, I think Tottenham comes out and, and they – they hold the fort down defensively. I I think they don't they they don't press. I think actually Liverpool will be the team to press. I think the I think Tottenham will park the bus. Liverpool will start pressing high with Salah, Mane, and, and Firmino. And what great stamina do they have as well? Um and, and and they've got the deeper team. They've got the deeper bench. And there's something to say about revenge and i know that they're a little bit bittersweet about how the premier league ended i think that's going to be motivational for them as well i i i see this along the score lines two to one maybe they start trailing at first in the first half but second half they get things rolling i say two one liverpool to hoist the trophy Mane he'll have a goal and an assist
0: i would agree with you that's that's something that i'm looking at too the only thing is that I feel with Harry Kane back, that is, for me personally, I would use him as a super sub, which then could toss things around and keep it interesting. Lucas Moura was insane in the last round as well with the last second goal to get him through. So, really, it's either are way...
2: Underestimating, it's, are we underestimating Tottenham here? Uh, is, is this too tall of a task for them to get done? I, I want to hear your thoughts on that.
0: Um, Honestly, I don't think – even if – because I have a few people who are Tottenham fans, even them themselves, they're underestimating themselves, and you can't blame them. The fact – they barely got out of their own group to get into the Champions League. They had a tie at the Camp Nou just to get into the next round, which was against Dortmund they after that. They
2: had a no-goal no uh, for Man City just to get past them, right? Exactly.
0: It's, it's been – this whole road has just been full of just last-second gasps and just – luck, if anything. So, again, luck could shine on them again to go through. I will say this with my own. I have a personal bias being an Arsenal fan myself. I would rather them not win. But, again, anything can happen in this Champions League and it just keeps it entertaining. Because the past couple years, if I were to compare it, the past couple years has been Real Madrid almost every final. I think they won three Champions Leagues in a row. Right. So it's been looking like, for, if you were to, if I were to make a comparison to American sports, the last couple of years of the Champions League has just been the NBA Finals where you just see the Warriors every year. And now <laughs> here's more of um, what? March Madness where you have literally no idea what's going on.
2: Right. It, it's been, it's been uh, the Real Madrid. It's been the Ronaldo uh, final. Uh, they thought that Juve had huge expectations this season, obviously getting upset by Ajax as well. But I'm going to agree with you here. I have a question here for you um Kirby um me being a Neymar fan uh you know the, with Neymar it's it's kind of like James Harden you know he has his highs his lows excellent talent but you know when when it needs time to step up he he always shines away from it i mean you 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 hear you see the comparisons with the flopping of Harden the flopping of Neymar but then again you see the incredible talent as well well when you look at my uh, uh Salah I mean, yes, he plays in Egypt, but this incredible run that he's had in these past three years, why isn't he amongst the elite? The Neymars, the Messis, the, the Mbappes, the Ronaldos, why aren't we considering him in that, elite, in that elite class with what he's done in Liverpool? In a market where, you know, you're battling Man United, Man City, Chelsea with all these big club players, they've stayed steady with Salah. Where, do, where does he rank amongst the all-time greats right now in our game?
0: Um honestly I would put Salah up there. I would put Salah as of currently he's in the top 10 of players in the world currently. That's why I see him. But the issue is I feel Salah struggles with the same issues just like Harry Kane of Tottenham where to to people it's just not a sexy name. It's just like right. if you saw Harry Kane, there Harry Kane went like his first his breakout season in the Premier League the man went crazy. I feel like he did, like, either 22 or 23 goals in the season. And people were like, oh, it's only going to happen one year. Next year, he matches it. And then the following year, he wasn't as good, but he still got in the double digits. But because it was Harry Kane, no one wants to talk about him. Like, there was rumors of him going to Real Madrid. And if you asked me, if, they were to, they were, if Tottenham would do the same thing they did with Gareth Bale, sell for high money, and then eventually use that money to profit and benefit the rest of their lineup, I would definitely do it. So I just feel it's just sometimes these names aren't attractive to people as much as the Messies, Ronaldo's, Neymar's, Mbappe's. Like these, you know, these would bring people in. Salah. And anything,
2: they're also good for endorsements. those players, right? The Mbappe's, exactly. the Neymar's, the Messies. right? Yep. It's not the sexy <laughs> name. I know for sure uh, the, the hierarchies out there in Anfield, they can't lose Salah and Mane. These guys have been instrumental thus far in these runs and what they've done for them. But we're definitely going to be highly anticipated for Saturday's matchup versus Tottenham and Hotspurs. This has been the SEBI Podcast Radio Show. That's right. Streaming only here on WNSC Radio. We want to thank Kirby for being on the hotline with us today. And for all of our listeners and all of our viewers here, You know where to find us in all of our streaming social media platforms. You are listening to the Sebi Podcast Radio Shop! Streaming only here on WNSC Radio. You've missed some of our recordings or some of our episodes? Have no fear. The Sebi Podcast experience is still here. You can check us out at our website at sebipodcast.info. Again, That is sebipodcast.info for any of our audio segments on Spotify and iTunes and some of our streaming visuals on our YouTube website and links there at sebipodcast.info. Some cool merch. If you want to DM us and send us all of your email requests, we'll be sure to get them here on the Sebi Podcast Experience. And remember, folks, whether you're listening on air or viewing online, Sebi Podcast is wherever you go. That is the slogan.